Hello, and welcome back to Association Data Points, where we discuss associations, data, and the people behind the numbers. I'm Aaron Peters, here with my co-host, Brian Seabacher. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Brian? Great. We're here with Jennifer Hitting. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. We met Jennifer at a recent Minnesota Technology Association conference, and we had a chance to chat with her. We learned that she has an extensive professional background working at the intersection of data and people. Jennifer, tell us a little bit more about what you do. Sure. I really love working with companies, clients around their data, helping them understand that data is truly the most strategic resource they have. Many companies feel that their product they sell, their employees, uh, all of those things are their most strategic resource. And my job in many cases is helping them understand the transformational opportunity they have by leveraging their company data, and in particular, their customer data more effectively. Uh, Throughout the course of my career, I've helped companies with their data management strategy, with their customer data strategy, with their customer marketing, all in cases where they don't have the resources, they have the vision, but they don't have the capabilities to get where they want to go. So you've had some interesting experiences there. Let's start at the beginning. What does it look like when you come in to work with a company or a client? Where are they? You know, they're all across the board, but I will say that no matter what client I'm talking to or company is the the fact that they have data everywhere. Their data is very disparate. It's siloed. And they have a hard time pulling it all together in order to get that 360 degree view of their customer. In many cases, there is a bit of a push and pull and somewhat of an antagonistic relationship with IT. And so in many cases, they are just trying to figure out how to get how do they get their hands on their data so that they can make decisions using it, let alone insights uh, and the people to develop those insights. In many cases, they don't have those resources either. And so I've seen companies whose bread and butter is data, but yet they are the ones where like their finance team or their other administrative internal teams are still struggling to have automation in order to do their jobs the way they need to. So it's really funny. It doesn't matter what size company, I could rattle off different clients and they would amaze you that they are all struggling with how to use their data. That's uh, That tracks with what we see too. I've heard it described that they're really, you think about large companies and you feel like, yeah, they've got way more resources than a small company to throw at problems like this. Mm-hmm. In some ways, at least in my experience, maybe this tracks with yours. Large companies are not monolithic. Large companies are often like a bunch of small companies that were glued together. Absolutely. Um, in many cases, large companies in today's day and age became the size they are through acquisition. And that is the bane of anyone's existence when it comes to data, because now they have more sources of data to pull together. And so, yes, you are right. Companies that you would think have it all figured out and have their their data all tightly connected and they're able to use it effectively, you'd be surprised how many of those companies are still struggling. Jokingly, in the mention oftentimes that it's, it's like the shoemaker's children who have no shoes. And in many cases, that's the case with these companies as well, is that they 
spend their money where it's going to drive revenue. And that's not necessarily supporting internal decision-making the way they need to. And so, yes, I see it like that in all cases. So do they see this as a cost center more than an opportunity? In many cases, they do, which is why they keep kicking the can down the road and avoiding spending money in this category until they reach a tipping point. And so in many cases, it's that tipping point that forces them to step back and go, oh my gosh, this Excel spreadsheet won't open. It crashes every laptop we open it on because we've maxed out the number of macros and formulas this Excel spreadsheet can handle. Now no one can even do their job because they can't get this Excel spreadsheet to work. I will say Excel is amazing, but it yeah, this, this it can go way too far. It can go way too far. And there are also points in which people have so much manual work to do behind the scenes before inputting the data into Excel that I've also seen situations where clients don't can't they can't hit their weekly, monthly, quarterly timelines any longer because they keep building on an Excel platform that has become so manual and so onerous that they can't get their jobs done any longer. Uh, And so it's usually a resource contention as well as a technology limitation within Excel that drives a lot of companies to finally raise raise the white flag and say, help, (laughs) we can't do this any longer. And that kind of, you know, makes me wonder the the pathway then that the companies have when they come to you. So so what I'm hearing is you have largely, well, I should ask, over your, your years of experience, have you found that most companies are very reactive in this approach versus being more proactive? I would say it's about a 60-40 split that, that many companies are reactive, but If you look around in the news, everyone's talking about data. Everyone's talking about analytics. Mm -hmm. AI is now the buzzword um, since the launch of ChatGPT. So I would say in in the last two years in particular, many companies are starting to feel like they're behind because every professional article out there from CTO, CIO, CMO, COO, Every one of those articles or journals or magazines is talking about the power of analytics. And so in some cases, we will find companies that are coming to us asking to to assist them with developing a platform, starting to do more predictive, more proactive analytics. In some cases, they don't even know where where to start. And so that's the conversation. Um, But I wouldn't say that that's more than 40%. The remaining 60% is still very reactive because companies aren't committing budget to this as much as they probably should. And they recognize it, but depending on the financial situation in their organization, they just can't carve away dollars until it is it reaches a critical tipping point. So Jennifer, what department in an organization have you found to have the most problems? I would say that it's it's really all across the board. I have worked extensively with marketing departments. Marketing tends to be that part of the organization that recognizes most quickly that they have a ton of disparate data sources 
that they need to pull together in order to better understand their customer. But that being said, I've also worked with finance departments. I've worked with supply chain departments. I've worked with HR departments. There really is not a finite list of departments within an organization that makes sense to apply data. It is universal. Data applies across every department in an organization. However, that being said, marketing in many cases has one of the larger budgets. Marketing and sales, depending on the type of organization, has one of the larger budgets. In many cases, even larger than the IT organization. And so uh, it really is across the board. I mean, I've, I've worked with IT. Uh, it's usually the administrative departments like finance, like HR, that have a hard time justifying the budget, those are the organizations that tend to be very reactive. And it isn't until their resource limitations or their Excel spreadsheet limitations tip over that they're coming to us. The organizations that tend to be more proactive would be your IT, your supply chain, your marketing, um, and and your legal department as well. Those would probably be the key departments that I see that are the most proactive uh, in an organization that I've worked with. So when companies are reaching out to you, who is that message coming from? Who, who are the people who are dealing with these problems day in, day out? And how do they get that message to leadership and then you enter? Yeah, if it's one of those administrative departments that I mentioned, like a finance or an HR, those are typically where middle management bubbles the pain points up the chain. And so we're typically dealing with vice presidents, um, in or sometimes directors, but most often vice presidents within an organization. Uh, in an IT or HR or supply chain organization or marketing, excuse me, uh, those opportunities are even at a little bit lower level, because those are the people who are hands-on in the data and immediately recognize what the problems are. And because budgets are so large, both with IT and marketing, they have higher signing approval and authority. And so we can start working with organizations at a, oftentimes at a director level there, sometimes even senior manager level, depending on the situation. If it's a large scale initiative, it's definitely going to be director level or above. But in many cases, the um, the pain and, and the level that it originates at the, will impact the level of the organization that we interact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, definitely tracks with what I've seen in primarily marketing organizations. But uh, I, I feel like even though there is a big budget, there is never an end to this work queue. So how do you prioritize this work? Absolutely. That's a great question. The interesting challenge with data will always be, there was there is always a complexity with dirty data because every source brings data in in a different format. And until you can get to your source system and make corrections to the data hygiene or data cleansing processes, that unfortunately forces dirty data right back into the pipeline over and over and over. What has become a major initiative for many organizations over the course of the last five years is data governance. This is actually an emerging 
if we can call it that, an emerging capability where organizations are recognizing the need to govern their data across the organization, make sure that there is a governing body, but also that there are governing processes in order to ensure the data cleansing and the hygiene necessary. Otherwise, it's always going to be a case of garbage in, garbage out. If you get garbage into your data pipeline, you'll never get clean and definitive insights out of your data because there will always be questions. There will always be a lack of trust. So in order to ensure that you have clean data, many organizations will go the data governance and then the data cleansing and data hygiene route, wrap those all into one significant project. And from there, they set up the standards in order to ensure that they're not dealing with dirty data on an ongoing basis. It all sound very heavy, though. We're talking about governance committees or, you know, the, the word governance all sounds like government, which is not known for being nimble all the time. So I, you know, I, I wonder how do we, if we're talking about a small department that does not have access to the governance department or a bunch of IT resources, do they have any hope at all of leveraging data? Absolutely. There are simple things. Um, there are There are different scripts that you can write in order to ensure that as you're ingesting your data, that there's and it's coming from a standardized source that you can go in and make the necessary changes in order to ensure that it comes in cleanly. Um, it really boils down to knowing your data, knowing all the different sources and understanding those pipelines and then putting the steps in place. Um, in you, you can have an integration point where your data comes in. It, it just depends on how you want to set up your architecture because in many cases, you'll have a hub, pub, sub layer. And in your hub, that's the layer where you can come in and just ensure that your data cleansing scripts and processes are running effectively. And then that should support the data as needed. Um, it's only in large organizations, in many cases, they recognize the need for the governance. And data governance does not have to be weighty. It doesn't have to be a, a dirty word. Uh, as you said, people hear government or governance and they think it's going to be a pain in the butt. It really does not have to. It could be something as simple as, um, you know, one or two people who meet on a monthly basis just in order to make sure that nothing has changed with any of your data processes. And if there, if there have been changes, you make sure that there's a system to request those changes and everyone involved is aware. And so, uh, you can make your data governance more lightweight, but no matter what, you'll want to make sure that you have some sort of processes and, and integration steps necessary in order to check your data before it feeds further upstream into your key decision-making systems. So we're getting a, a great sense of some of the process that you would use working with companies and clients. What's your favorite problem to solve or your, your favorite challenge to address? My favorite challenge to address is hands down when an organization comes to me or my team and they are, we always refer to them as high vision, low capability. They know where they want to go, but they recognize they don't have the resources as in people or technology to get there. And they want help in putting together the roadmap of where they want to go. And so that's a lot of fun working with an organization 
helping uh, it, it's you see the light bulb turn on as you go through and speak with them, as you lay out the roadmap, you show them what it's going to take to achieve that goal, to achieve that vision. That's very, very gratifying and exciting. That's probably my number one, but I will say close behind it, my number two is uh, working with marketing organizations and helping develop insights about their customers that literally changes the way they make decisions about their company, about their organization. It could change their sales approach. It could change their marketing approach. It could change how they design and develop products. There are so many opportunities within a marketing, within marketing data to really make significant changes across an organization. That's where I tend to feel like I get the biggest, you know, my hair stands on end. I get the biggest zing up my spine is when I really help an organization discover something they didn't know about their customer and how their customer behaves. And it fundamentally changes their approach as a company. Can you tell us a little bit more? That's really, really interesting. Um, and we're all, you know, we're all looking to to reach out. This is, we're all in the business of people, right? So tell us a little bit more about in marketing, how they can leverage statistics and analytics data um, to, to assist. How can data change marketing behaviors? Oh my gosh. This is one of those areas that it's it's almost unlimited. Uh, if you're in a B2C organization, holy cow, you've got so many different data sources telling you information about your customer. Bringing all of that together in order to get a comprehensive 360-degree view of your customer is first and foremost. In many cases, we'll have a company come to us and say, our data is all over the place. We've never been able to get a clean look at our customers. Can you help us? And so we pull it all together and we do what we call exploratory data analysis, EDA. And from that EDA, we just help them understand specific behaviors of their customers that they might not be aware of. A lot of organizations operate based on heuristics or this is what we know about our customer. We know our customer, but in reality, do they? And so we help them really shed a light on the actual behaviors of their customer. In If you're in a B2C organization, we could help with things as simple as lead scoring. Because the reality of it is, is that whether you're B2B or B2C, not all customers are created equal. And in many organizations, they treat every customer like it has the same value to the company. And it never... Never will be the case, never, ever. Uh, if you're in retail, you're always going to have high value customers and low value customers. The same thing applies if you're in a B2C organization and you have lead scoring act and you recognize from a lead scoring perspective that you have to dedicate your resources to those leads that are going to deliver the greatest return. But until you know which leads those are, you are spending all of your time equally distributed and in many cases, spending your time on clients that might not be worth the time. And so there is that happens across every organization, unfortunately. And those are just the tip of the iceberg. Companies are starting to realize that there is a lot to be done through advanced analytics, becoming more predictive, 
having data visualization to help tell the story across the organization. Those are just two small ways organizations are starting to jump on the data and analytics bandwagon right now. So we uh, we focus on associations in our neck of the woods. And uh, I think we're, we're talking about like organizations made up of other organizations and they mm-hmm. produce a lot of data and intelligence for their members. But we also see that like the association is effectively like a business. And, you know, like you said, like not all customers are created equal. It, it's hard for an association to say like, you know, not all members are created equal. They know that, you know, on some level, they you want to treat everyone and you know have everyone get a good experience but like you have to take different approaches for different you know audiences i think that's you know it, it, does data have a uh steward, a role to play in this and that's a great point as well because once you have all of that data collected now you have the opportunity to create to create customer segments and from those segments, you can create different narrative profiles so that you know how to treat and how to communicate with your different types of customers, your different types of clients. Uh, that applies in an association situation, in B2C, in B2B. It applies across the board. Uh, over the course of my career, I've probably done 20 to 25 different segmentation projects, maybe even more than that. And every time we do it, it is so interesting to realize the differences across companies, across different types of businesses. Cases you'll find situations where, you know, 30% of your customers drive 80% of revenue. Well, let's take that 30% and break it down and understand how different those, that what different segments you have within that 30%. But then it speaks to, Okay, if 70% of your customers are only delivering 20%, what kind of segments do we have there? Do you have new and emerging segments? Do you have a lot of lapsed customers? Or do you have customers that have essentially left your brand? They've attrited and you're still treating them as though they're active in your, with your company or with your organization. Those are significant marketing insights that fundamentally reap how a marketing team approaches their customers, how they approach their job on a day-to-day basis. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I, I do have one more question for you. When you when you come in and you're you're working with people, um, and, and we can stick with the the marketing here, but really any department. Do you find that there's resistance to change? You kind of, you made a comment about, you know, they've always done it this way. What have you found there? Absolutely. Uh, One of the biggest components to any major marketing initiative, uh, and not just marketing initiative, to the the application and the use of data Mm -hmm. is the change management component that goes along with it. To recognize that you have segments within your organization means now you start thinking about your customers differently. And that means organizational structure impacts across your team. It means how your your creative team might design and put together messaging. It changes how your sales team approaches and has that conversation. Um, So anytime you go in and do major 
projects within an organization, there are change management considerations that need to go along with it. And it might suggest the need for automation, where you build the automation into your system so that that new information flows seamlessly to the necessary endpoints. But it also could require extensive training. It could require extensive, you know, town hall meetings, large scale organizational meetings. The change management component and how to filter that message as well as how to instill that message throughout the organization is in was definitely one of the most complex parts in this company. So we always like to leave our listeners with a step that they can do this week. Where would you say a first step would be? A first step would be to identify how decisions are made with using data in your organization. Does it feel siloed? Do you still rely heavily on Excel spreadsheets and communication of sending documents, Excel documents back and forth? Are there things you need to know about your customer in order to make the right decisions? Those would be the three things I would start with. Um, If your data is really disparate and really hard to get your hands on, that's going to answer question number one. If you're very manual and very Excel oriented, that answers another question. And then if you feel as though people are still running around making decisions about customers like they've always made them, and it's more heuristic and it's very much very general, then that's the third consideration is how much more insightful could your decisions, your strategic decisions be as an organization? if you had that customer data at your fingertips. Jennifer, it's been great talking to you today. Thanks so much. We'll have Jennifer's information linked in the show notes. Thanks again and have a great day, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much. It was great chatting. Association Data Points is brought to you by Hargrove & Associates. Since 1985, we've helped associations serve their most critical member data needs by collecting, producing, and delivering exclusive market information. You can visit us online at hargrovedata.com.